Hi there, it's Mark from Third Shot Sports. Welcome to another episode of Pickleball Problems. Before we get to today's show, and we've got a special guest, one of our listeners, Charlotte, she called in with her question all about aggressive poaching and how to handle people who do that. But before we talk about that, I want to let you know, heads up Australia, I'm coming to you. October 4th to 16th, 2022. That's just over a week from when I'm recording this. I am going to be there. First, I'm going to Brisbane for the National Championships of Pickleball. That's going to be right at the start of October. Can't wait to see Australia's best pickleball players come together. And then after that tournament's over... I'm going to be teaching pickleball, running pickleball clinics, running PCI instructor certification programs in Brisbane. We've got the beautiful Benley Tennis Club that we're going to be running this at. I can't wait. It is going to be amazing. After those few days in Brisbane, I'm heading to the coast, the Sunshine Coast that is one of the most beautiful places in Australia. Again, we're running third shot sports clinics and we're running PCI in-person instructor certification courses. And then after a few days there, heading down to Sydney, going to see some friends in Sydney as well. As some PCI Pickleball members, we're running more clinics, more PCI certification courses in Sydney. This is all coming up next week, October 4th to 16th, 2022. If you are in Australia, you think you might want to join me, head over to PCIAustralia.com. You can see the whole schedule. You can see what we're doing, when we're doing it. I'd love to have you with us. That's PCIAustralia.com. All right, let's get to the show. Hi, Mark. This is Charlotte from Colorado, and I have a question about strategy. How do you approach a mixed doubles game against a team with an aggressive poacher? Recently at 4-0 mixed doubles, my partner and I lost a bunch of points to opponents where the male partner poached everything. For example, she would hit a good third shot drop, and if my fourth shot dink had any height over the net, he flew up and slammed it back at us. We tried to keep the ball away from him, but as our safe target seemed to get smaller and smaller, my frustration increased, my precision worsened, and he just kept poaching. Do you have any suggestions on how to defend against an aggressive poacher? Thanks. Okay, first off, Charlotte, thanks for listening to the show and thanks for sending in this voice memo. I love answering questions when we can actually hear the people talking. So anyone at home, if you want to send a voice memo like Charlotte, just open up the voice memo app on your phone and email it to me, mark at thirdshotsports.com. Okay, now to your question, Charlotte. You talked about this being in a mixed doubles scenario, and that's fine. That's how it was. But really, this advice I'm going to give, it doesn't really matter whether it's mixed doubles or men's doubles or women's doubles, right? What we're talking about here is how do we counteract that really aggressive poacher? I guess really mainly the difference here is that sometimes the men are taller than the women. That might be a factor, but it's not always the case. And sometimes you have taller players when you play women's doubles or men's doubles. Anyway, so how do you deal with this really aggressive poacher? Well, there's a few different things that you can do. First off, you need to recognize what's going on, what the situation is. You need to see, in this case, that this guy is doing this, right? So bringing that kind of awareness. And probably it doesn't take very long to realize that, oh, he's taking up a lot of space. Okay, so that's the first thing to do is see what's happening. Now, let's assume you know what's happening. Now we need to solve this problem. So obviously, you should try to hit more balls to his partner if that's the person that you're picking on, right? But what happens now is you're sort of being squeezed because a ball that you're hitting toward her, 
let's say, to avoid him. If he wasn't poaching so aggressively, you know, you could hit a little cross court and it probably gets to her. But as you talk about, he intercepts it. So all of a sudden, you're being forced to be more precise with these shots. And that's exactly what they want. They want you to feel that pressure, that if you are going to get it to her, the targeted player, that you can't just kind of get it to her. You've got to really get it to her, right? You've got to thread that needle. And sometimes what happens is we make errors, right? We hit the ball too wide or we hit the ball too fast, hoping that he won't get there in time, and then we lose control. So that's going to that's gonna challenge you. You're going to be tested. Can you come up with the goods to get this ball to her and away from him? Okay. Um, what else could you do? Well, sometimes what you can do is you can actually hit to him in order to open her up. Here's what I mean by that. Let's imagine this scenario. Let's imagine that mm, he's covering a lot of space in the middle of the court. She's on the left-hand side of her court. You're trying to get the ball to her. Well, he's right at the tee. He's taking up a lot of space. And that probably means that back by his sideline, not her sideline, but back by his sideline, there's probably a little bit of room for you to hit to, right? He's taking up that center space. He's taking up her side of the court. Well, this is an opportunity for you to go back to that open space where he was, right? Now, why would you do that, you ask me? Well, because if you can get him to slide back over more onto his side of the court, then that next ball you hit, if you can do it quickly enough, you should be able to get to her without him being able to intercept, right? So you pull him out toward his sideline, he plays that dink or whatever it is, and then you can quickly redirect it back toward her. Now, is there some risk to doing this? Of course there is, right? You're trying to avoid this guy. And so right now, I'm telling you to hit to him, right? But sometimes, you know, this is a case of sometimes you have to go to their strength in order to open up the weakness. This is not that different from someone, let's say, who um, doesn't like hitting their backhand very much, right? And every time you hit toward their backhand, they run around and they use their forehand. Well, one thing you can actually do is aim it toward their forehand, make them move toward that forehand side, which then creates some space that you can aim toward the backhand and maybe make them hit the shot they don't really want. So this situation is analogous to that, right? Except instead of it being a backhand, and it's his partner, right? If you hit toward him, open up that space toward her, and then you can redirect that next ball. Now, you have to watch out for this, right? If he's going to jump the corner or try to intercept that ball, if your dink or your drop or whatever it is isn't good enough, then, you know, he might make you pay. But it sounds like you need to take some risk because otherwise he's sort of all over you, right? So that's something to consider too, is sometimes going to that strength in order to open up the weakness. And that's true whether we're talking backhands, forehands, or one player versus another player. Okay. The other thing that you can start to do maybe a little bit is you can now start to poach a little bit more yourselves, or maybe you've got to start to um, speed things up a little bit more. You know, it's one thing if you play a drop or a dink toward her. Those sort of by definition are fairly slow balls. And so if you instead play a drive or speed things up toward her, maybe he won't have as, as much time to get there to intercept that ball. So that's often sometimes what we have to do against players or teams that are really controlling the points well is we need to speed things up ourselves. We need to maybe show them some different movement patterns just so they're not as comfortable um, poaching the way that they were or comfortable moving the way that they were. All right, I hope that helps. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to answer a different question that was sent to us as an email from a listener. Hey there, it's Mark. Pickleball Problems is brought to you by Selkirk TV. Selkirk TV gives you a front row seat to live pickleball matches, past championships, on-demand skills training, including my pretty great show called Pickleball Today, as well as behind-the-scenes insights and so much more. Available in the App Store and on Google Play, 
Selkirk TV is the perfect app for any pickleball fan. Download the app today for free and get started watching pickleball's very best online content. Selkirk TV. All right, welcome back to Pickleball Problems. I'm your host, Mark Renison. I talked about at the top of the show that I am going to be in Australia October 4th to 16th. If you are in Australia, you think you're going to be there, want to do some on-court work with me or instructor certification program, head over to PCIAustralia.com. That's PCIAustralia.com. Check it out. Okay, now back to the show. We got one more question coming up. And this one came from someone who is an instructor. They don't say exactly where they are an instructor. Uh, their name is Franny. And uh, Franny says, Mark, I have a problem. One of my players clearly needs to work on their setup. They are late preparing for the ball, whether they're hitting a third shot or a return of serve. What are some things I can do to help them set up sooner? I'm stuck. Okay, so Franny. Uh, thanks for the question. Yeah, the setup is so important, right? And let's just make sure we define our terms here. When I'm talking about a setup, what I'm talking about is how you prepare your body and your paddle. It's your body and your paddle. So if you've just prepared your body, but not your paddle, you're not set up. If you just prepared your paddle, but not your body, you're not set up. They've got to go together. Okay. And setting up is not just about where you do it, but it's also when you do it. So you talked about two situations, a third shot situation and a return of serve. Okay, so the setup of these two is sometimes a little bit different. If you're playing a third shot drop, maybe the setup is not with a paddle back quite so far as it would be on a drive or even a return of serve. But um, in either way, we typically want our body to be sideways when we prepare to hit these ground strokes, right? If you're sideways, then you can turn your body through the shot, you can rotate, and you can get power a little more easily. So let's for now talk about preparing the body sideways, okay? We'd like to have that done by the time the ball bounces, because if you can get sideways before the bounce, then by the time you're swinging, you should have lots of time to do that, right? You won't have to rush too much. So one thing you can do with your player is to say to them, hey, I'm going to hit this ball over the net, and i got to see you get sideways before the ball bounces, okay? So again, you're saying what they need to do, get sideways, and by when they need to do it, by the time the ball bounces, and then you can work on that with them. Now, let's say that they're still struggling or you want them to like really concentrate on it. You could even add a, a cue, right? Like a little keyword. Let's say you say sideways or, um, you know, if you're really set up sideways, I should be able to see your shoulder, right? Because uh, you're, you're turned sideways. So you might have them as that ball comes over. As soon as they get sideways, they say sideways or side or shoulder or some sort of keyword. And that's a really effective way to get, make sure people are doing what you want them to do is that they have to connect the movement they're doing with some sort of keyword, right? Now, I mentioned how we also need to think about what the paddle's doing. And if they need to have their paddle, you know, a fair ways back because they're going to drive the ball, then um, then we'll want to see that paddle further back. If they want to have it not quite so far back because they're going to play a drop, and then they still need to prepare their hand and their wrist and their paddle. Uh, but of course, it'll be a little bit different than in a drive scenario. And again, you could attach a keyword to it, right? So you could say, um, as they get sideways, they could say uh, paddle, right? Or prepare or wrist or whatever that keyword that you might need to work on. So that is my tip to you, Franny. When you're working with players on the setup, make sure it's clear what they do and make sure it's clear by when they have to do it. Okay, and again, this could be on a volley situation, right? You've got to prepare your body before the ball crosses the net or a dinking situation, same sort of thing. So what do they have to do? By when do they have to do it? And use those keywords to help them. And just make sure that when we're talking about a setup that we're also talking about the body and the paddle together. What are they doing? And by when do they have to do it? 
All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Pickleball Problems. Thanks to Franny for writing in. Thanks to Charlotte for sending me that voice memo. If you have a question you'd like me to tackle, why not send me a voice memo just like Charlotte did? Open up the voice memo app on your phone. Send it to mark at thirdshotsports.com. I'll listen to it. We'll play it on the show. We will answer it. Don't forget, we are all over social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Find us on TikTok where we're hitting, what was it? Last time I saw it, it was like 6 million views over the last two months. And of course, if you are going to be in Australia, come and join me October 4th to 16th. Head over to PCIAustralia.com to check out the schedule. Until next time, I'm your host, Mark Renison. Thanks for listening.